0: Welcome to the quote-unquote offseason at Illinois, where we at IlliniEnquirer.com are busier than ever. we got football commitments, transfer portal season in college basketball, and five-star recruit visits. So let's talk about it all. I'm Jeremy Warner, Illini Choir publisher. He's Joey Wagner. Uh, Joey, you get, you get to, to take a breath yet in this offseason? How you doing, man?
1: I'm good, man. I got a, a weekend off, so as you sit here and talk about how there's no time off, I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm pretty good here, but it's... There is no offseason. I think it really started with that COVID year. Like, that's when then the portal started getting moving and – for us, football, Bielma is higher, and then they just staggered everything, and it feels like it hasn't stopped since January of 2021.
0: Yeah, this is insane. We're going to talk about Sky Clark. We're going to talk about uh, Andre Corbello to the transfer portal. We'll talk about Antoine Hayden, the East St. Louis linebacker committing to Illinois football, and maybe we'll hit on a little bit of spring football, which is kind of taking a back seat. Uh Sorry, Brett Bioma, because there's so much roster movement happening here. But let's talk about Andre Corbello. Derek and I did our mega preview of the Illini. Offseason, and, and I think most people knew our tone was that Andre Carbello seemed likely on his way out, Joey. And you know, I, we talked about it. I know some people gave me grief for it, Michael Tulip grief for it, but Andre Carbello did do some really good things towards the end of the season, especially on defense, defense. But man, his offense was atrocious this year. But I always had empathy for him going through this year. I know mentally it just had to be so challenging and draining for him, and then to sit the final 26 minutes of the most important game of the season against Houston. It felt like, is there coming back from that, right? He had two really poor NCAA tournament games, uh, the Indiana game. I thought he did some good things, but just couldn't, wasn't able to finish at the rim, but it just felt like a fresh start was needed, especially for Curbelo. But now with Illinois, you know, two freshman guards coming in, potentially Sky Clark, them showing so much interest in transfer guards didn't, it seemed like Illinois was ready to move on here. And I I, I think this is probably going to be best for both sides. Andre Carbello gets his fresh start. Illinois can kind of look to someone else that it can probably trust a little bit more, even though Andre Carbello could go somewhere and be a star, Joey.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think as you and I have talked about this, when we thought this was a possibility, a science pointed this way. And then after it happened, yeah, I mean, I think we expect Andre Crivello to go somewhere and play really good basketball because he's a really good basketball player. And, and, and But I do think the tone of if you read people who are trying to evaluate where he falls in these transfer portal rankings is a new thing, right? Like that's that's a really popular thing around. And, and I think that the general consensus is, hey, this is really hard to figure out what somebody is getting. Because if you would have told me a year ago this time, Jeremy, that – Andre Curbella, that we could say, like, you know, this is probably best for both sides. I would have said, you are the craziest person I've talked to today because that th- that didn't seem possible after his freshman year. And, and empathy sympathies. I mean, that's it what I come back to, right? I mean, like, there was some, you can agree or disagree with the NBA buzz and, and to the volume of which there was, but it was there. I, I mean, in some capacity, that conversation was happening and it wasn't and then, just
0: illinois this is actual nba scouts who were at mm-hmm. practice thought he was the best player on the team and that he could be a, a high second round pick that's why espn like some of the best in the business jonathan gavoni had him as a number 34 heading into the season it was it was crazy
1: yeah that's where the empathy comes in where that really went away and maybe not went away but it was put on pause for how long and to what degree we don't know but Dude, that's tough, and you're in the middle of this place. That yeah, you've been here for a year, and yes, it's home. But a big part of it being home was Orlando Antigua. He was gone, and that's not to say Andre didn't have a relationship with the stat. It's just it's got to be hard, man. And you you have so many different pieces everywhere, but you also can't deny that it wasn't even when he did play this year. And yes, you can put in the injury and all that matters, and all of it kind of paints a picture. But it wasn't. Offensively, I think what everyone and probably including Andre Corbello, thought it was going to be. And and that part's real. And, and he did struggle offensively. And the, the, the tape will show that the stats will show that, but man, it's it's a bummer for him. You feel bad for him. You, Cause I think if you're a fan, I think I, I can say this, like you would have hoped that he righted that ship wearing an Illinois Jersey because you saw where it could go, but that, that's not going to happen. And hopefully he finds a place. And I think people who, watch him gotten to know him you hope he goes and plays his butt off and plays really well somewhere because he i understand the frustration that people had watching him play basketball jeremy at times he seemed by all accounts like a really good ambassador for the program that a lot of people root for he took pictures he signed autograph he was out and about all of that stuff happening he, he's a good individual he's a, a you and i really enjoy talking with yep. him so on that sense you hope he can write this somewhere
0: and the other part is Man, he made a huge impact. Uh, You don't win the last two Big Ten titles you won without Andre Cabello. He's one of the best players on the team in the final 10 games last season, right? You don't win that Big Ten tournament title without him. I remember there was five minutes, I think, left in the game, Joey. And I missed my chance uh, to to vote for Big Ten tournament team uh, because the game was going on. I was doing that. You have to submit it five minutes left in the game. Andre Kerbel was under consideration for most outstanding player of the tournament for me at that point. Now he didn't even make the team because Io DeSumo, Kofi Coburn were the votes. They were the best players on the team, but Andre played as well, if not better than Io DeSumo down the stretch of last season. Like that's how good he was late in the season. Uh, and you don't win that big 10 tournament without him. You don't go 16 and four and have those great wins at Michigan and Ohio state without Andre Kerbel. Uh, and then this year I thought him coming back, really helped you beat Michigan, really helped you beat Iowa, you don't want to share the Big Ten regular season title without Andre Curbelo either. So uh, I, I think despite this being a disappointment, you're right. If I would have said a year ago, yeah, this makes sense for both sides to move on, that would have seemed crazy. He was the face of the franchise along with Kofi Coburn, right? But with everything that happened this year, whether it was the injuries that you just feel for him because it just ruined what should have been a good season but then when he comes back he just didn't play well offensively and and you just couldn't really trust him offensively so that's where if you're Illinois if you're if you're going to have Andre Curbelo on your team you got to be all in on him he he's got to be the guy with the ball in your hands and you have to let him go I think he can get that elsewhere. I think there's going to be plenty of teams who are going to be interested in that elsewhere. I don't think Illinois could do that with, with the options they have, the team they have potentially coming back if Kofi comes back. I don't think they could be all in on him, and I'm, I'm sure he couldn't be all in on them because it just it didn't make sense anymore really for both sides because Andre can probably have a better opportunity elsewhere to run the show. Illinois might find some better options in the portal or with Sky Clark.
1: Yeah, you noticed as after the season ended, this ball kept moving, right? The Sky Clark ball kept moving. You saw Illinois reach out to guards in the portal. I mean, they didn't, you know, sense didn't seem like that thing slowed down in in terms of reconstructing and reimagining this roster. And and I think that was pretty telling to me too, a a little bit that they kept kept going on ahead with this thing. And and look, that's also what big time basketball is. You want to be a big time program? This is a collection of talent and you don't if you got a chance to collect a lot of really good talented you do not stop because you're trying to get to to where brad underwood wants to be and that's that's playing for a long long time uh in march and into april so yeah man it's it's a for us and i know i said this a second ago but dude he was fun he was fun to watch play basketball he was delightful to interview i mean and i know if you're a fan like you probably don't care and i probably wouldn't either like I was a fan of a team but dude he was was honest transparent he was fun he was the coolest guy and I think in every room he walked into yeah and just hope for the best for the kid man and and, but if you're Illinois you if you're a fan of Illinois if you're Illinois you look around and say hey man there's still some things on the table for us here and, and some things that can keep this program going at a level that they want this program to go and And we've talked about Sky Clark and they're in the portal like this isn't the end of the world, but I I think there should be still a sense that you maybe hope Andre could have figured it out in Champagne
0: yeah now now there's pressure to make sure you land some of those guys. Yeah. now I know i I feel like Illinois should have a pretty good chance uh, to to land some of these guys, but you think about it. I mean, you lost Adam Miller last year. you had to come back and find somebody like Alfonso Plummer, who's not a perfect player, but certainly helped you in a huge way win a big Ten championship. Uh, two years ago you lost Alan Griffin. It was really important to get a guy like Adam Miller, right? So that's that's what today's college basketball world is you, surprisingly lose somebody. Um, not that it was towards the end of the year, but middle of the year, if I would have told you Andre Cabello is going to transfer you, would think we're crazy. Then you got to find a way to go get it. And, and I think Illinois now has a great sell, right? Like you, you're a good program. Brad Underwood has proven himself as a developer of talent. They can, they can get you to the pros. I would assume it certainly helps there, but I think Kofi Coburn certainly helps there. And, you do have some options coming in in Jade Nepps and Sincere Harris, but they got to find with Curbelo gone now, Plummer, Frazier. you got to find some experience here too. But let's talk about the guy who could really lift your class into the best recruiting class. I'd have to look this up, Joey, while we're going through this. I don't know. What was the last time Illinois had a top 10 recruiting class? Was it myers or Jeremy Richmond? I don't know if that one was it. D Brown, um, you know, Darren Williams, that crew might have been. But if you land Sky Clark, you have a top 10 recruiting class with three guards, um, Sincere Harris, Jaden Epps, and, of course, Ty Rogers, who I'm a huge fan of. That That's a hell of a, a pull if you can do it. Now, Sky Clark released his top six. Our, our guy Travis Branham was on that, but Joe Tipton from On3 also had more today, said the decision will come in April. He will take visits to four schools. That's the plan. Illinois being one of them, Louisville, USC, and Maryland. So top 30 prospect, Joey, dynamic guard who can both create for others and create offense for himself at really every every level, is coming off a torn ACL. So it was a Kentucky signee, gets a release from his national letter of intent after tearing his ACL. So I uh, don't, don't know how that impacts his immediate future. He's playing again, but – obviously a very talented guy with a lot of great options and, and Illinois smack dab in the middle of those so if you lose Andre Cabello add Sky Clark I think you'd feel pretty good
1: welcome to the new era of Illinois basketball where it is turning into April and you are fighting for a five-star guard I mean he's in the composite he's number 27 in the country and a
0: lot of people see you as the leader for <laughs> that five-star guard going into this doesn't mean you'll him but right now you feel pretty good
1: that's to quickly divert like that is why and i think we've covered brad underwood we've covered his program we know what his staff does tim anderson is a guy who has recruited well early on here at illinois chester frazier jeff alexander so if you're i understand the portal is like this i know i'm getting off path but stay with me for a second I, i understand the portal is just like roller coaster ride i get it man it, it is different it is a lot to adjust to a lot of people they, like it
0: though come on a lot of people are loving this stuff
1: oh dude this i mean it's i play Madden. you sim through the first season <laughs> of some team and then you get to the off season you got 152 draft picks and like every dollar available in the world and free agency and then you have fun but brad underwood and his staff have proven that they can bring in talent. that that you're You miss somewhere, and it's going to sting. Like Andre Curbelo, you can disagree with me. That's fine. That loss is going to sting, but you can offset some of that sting because they continue to bring in talent. Sky Clark, dude, Kentucky doesn't just bring in everybody they've ever met. Okay? Like, Sky Clark's a really good basketball player. And the torn ACL, I understand the concern there. And and is he a true point guard? I don't know. You probably still want to get – you're really, at this point, if that happens – you've cultivated a lot of talent in that backcourt Jaden F gets buckets dude sincere harris him and chester frazier might be the spider-man meme of one another in terms of the way they go about things but you sacrifice some experience there and that's what you're going to have to upgrade elsewhere but from a talent perspective figure it out man that that's part of like that's what the non-con is for is to just mold it all together and look I think with or without Sky Clark, we can look at this roster and say there's probably going to be some road bumps early in those November-December games because there's a lot of turnover. But talent can supersede turnover. You see it across the country. You see it everywhere. 27 in the country is talent. Yeah.
0: I I was looking this up. The last top 10 class I see is 2011, and that was more quantity. Then uh, top-notch quality, but you yeah, Michael Henry, Mike Shaw, Tracy Abrams, Nana Egwood. Those are all top 75 prospects. Devin Langford, Ibby Jim Day. So that was a top 10 class back in the day. Really solid by Bruce Weber it ended up being all that great uh tracy and nana obviously were, were key players for a while but this one's got a little bit higher in rent and talent if you had sky clark to it right and and ty rogers who's a, a mr basketball candidate and i, I think Jaden nepps is underranked. uh at least for other sites we have him top 50 at 24 7 sports but i think he's he's almost the guy maybe that I, even if sky clark comes in this might sound crazy that i, I feel confident Jaden nepps is going to Be ready to play at the Big Ten level. Ty will too, but Jaden, as a scorer, right? Like, I I think is going to be locked and ready to go. So uh, that would be a ton of talent. But as you said, Joey, be lacking experience, which is why you see Illinois, uh, I think, looking at many different options of how this offseason could go, right? I mean, this offseason could still go so many ways depending on does Kofi Coburn come back. You know, every day that happens, you feel better about Coleman Hawkins coming back because those meetings have have happened this week, and you feel like you know he seems to be commenting on everything on, on Instagram. Whether it's Sky Clark's top six uh, in favor of Illinois, so that's a good thing to see. And those that's such a, a 2022 way of <laughs> looking at things, right? Is is he commenting on Instagram? Did he comment on this post? Is he liking things? Um, but I, I think you feel better about him coming back, and. But you're also looking to upgrade on the wing, right? You need shooters. You need shooters on this team.
1: Especially um, if Kofi comes back.
0: Yeah, because I love Ty Rodgers. I th- I think he could handle a defensive rebounding starting role right away, but you really probably can't start him with Kofi. You can't have those kind of two non-shooters on the court for that long together. But you need, you need more proven shooters, guys who can be 3 and D guys. But you also, Joey, might need another guy who can handle the ball because what if Sky Clark and, and Jaden Epps – what if they're not completely ready for this? Maybe they will be later in the season, but you know Michigan's done a really good job of adding guards like Devontae Jones or Mike Smith that are just ready to kind of be steady leaders of this team. Leadership is another thing I think this team is, is going to be lacking early on because they're going to be so young. Uh, but that's why you see them involved in somebody you know that I didn't even know before this, to be honest with you, but Temple guard Jeremiah Williams. Average 10 points a game this year, good defender, long, but that could be a guy who just lifts your floor up. He's probably going to want a higher role, but if you get Sky Clark, it might be tough to get a top point guard in the transfer portal, but someone like Jeremiah Williams could could fit. So there's just so many balls to juggle in the air right now of how this roster will settle, but it certainly feels like Illinois, is, hey, if this happens, this is a guy we might have interest in. So we need to go and talk to him.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine Brad Underwood in his under construction office in Ubun with like 17 different levers, right? And like if this, then this, and you pull it and kind of try to set something in motion. But Illinois is also selling a lot of minutes. There, there are a lot of minutes to be had. If you can play guard specifically point guard at, at the big 10 level. And if Illinois believes you can do that because Trent Frazier, Alfonso Plummer, Andre, Carr, I mean, those minutes aren't coming back, man. Like those are gone to Monte Williams. I know more of a wing and a forward, but you've got a lot. I mean, someone's got to play basketball, man. <laughs> and you've got the minutes to do that and the minutes to be a pitch and, and to say, Hey, Come get here on the Big Ten stage. It's a really good conference. I, I understand. Don't come at me for the NCAA tournament stuff. It's still a really good conference that is under-delivered in the tournament. You have all of that to be said, and you're a program that develops and that can help take you to that next level. I, I like some of the options they have at not guard. Um, and that's not to say I dislike the options at guard. I think they have more experience at other positions. But, yeah. I think that's going to be a premium It's experienced ball handler, experienced guard, experienced shot maker. And then Jeremy long, you said it a minute ago, they want length. They want, I mean, all, and that's like, this isn't something that just developed yesterday. Brad Underwood has been talking about length for years. He addressed it in that class with Luke Goody, with RJ Melendez. Like you you saw it there and I, that's not going away. That that's going to continue. and, And if watch Watch the last couple weeks of NCAA basketball and look at the length that those teams have that have continued to play. And, like, that matters. Brad Underwood knows it matters. He didn't just learn it. Now you got to kind of get those in motion to get it.
0: I'm thinking of, like, your ideal returner lineup, right? Um, Kofi Coburn, if he comes back. Coleman Hawkins, if he comes back. Uh, R.J. Melendez. I think those three are starters, right? And then the possibility of Ty Rogers off the bench, Benjamin bossman's Verdonk is still in the picture? Omar Payne, I just don't see a role for him, so I'm I'm interested to see what happens with him moving up in the future. And I just don't think Brandon Lee is is that guy either. So y- you might need another big at some point, but maybe Coleman Hawkins is that backup five. Maybe you change things that way. Ty goes Good. to the four when he comes in. Joey's loving that. Uh, Coleman Hawkins at the five is money, man. Yeah yeah I mean and then you could put if Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk has to come into play with him right he can guard some fours maybe you're really switchable in that way that's why if like Omar Payne entered the transfer portal just speculating here right like Bossman's Verdonk, I think his role could be still small but I think you could actually work him in a little bit more because he fits with Coleman, right? And and uh, I think that could work a little better. And, and Ty Rogers can body up some bigger guys if he needs to, and also guard guards. Like, just the versatility of that lineup gets really, really intriguing. Um, but you got to fill out the guards. And is it Jade Nepps? Is it Sky Clark? Is it Brandon Podjemski. Is it, you know, who who is going to be involved there? That's why Brandon Murray makes so much sense at LSU. 6'5", 200 pounds, just big bodied physical gets to the rim. He seems to really compliment those guys pretty well. And then a, a long athletic wing to to kind of push r j. Melendez and, and maybe start alongside him. Like, Terrence Shannon Jr., I mean, is the mold you'd love. I know Evan Maya has him as the number one transfer. So if everything off the court kind of checks out, like, yeah, those guys are, are perfectly ideal, but I think those guys are also going to take their time. So this could be uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, of of putting this roster together, and it's going to be a wild ride, roller coaster ride, like you said.
1: It is. And with the guys you mentioned with Murray and with Terrence Shannon, this isn't us just saying, like, they're really good. How about – there's connections there, right? Illinois recruited Terrence Shannon Jr. early. I believe Chester Frazier has connections. Uh, so, like, there's connections there to be had. And will it pay off? I have no no earthly idea. And, I, I mean, it, it's March 29th. There's a lot of ball game left. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to see, with, with such a big turnover, and, and I think we, we've talked about this a lot in football, Jeremy, with, with Brett Bielema having all those scholarships and, and that first class you're going to see a lot of Brad really starting to to turn this thing into what he knows is. And I think that's the length and length defense. You can't talk enough about that shot creator, shot makers, the whole ordeal. It sounds so elementary to break it down like that, but it's like that's basketball right now is, you know, make, create your own, make your own and be long as heck to bother somebody.
0: I just want to tie up kind of what you're saying there, Joey, because the first two years were ugly as Brad inherited a bad roster and tried to make them play the way he wanted to. And he, he played the way he had to with such a small team. He had to be super aggressive uh, and try and force all these turnovers, though that's the way he played at Stephen F. Austin. Then he had to get talent. No matter what that talent was, he had to get talent to win games. And he did that. And he changed his system with Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo and, and then Andre Curbelo, right? Now he's good, he can recruit, he's got more choices, I think you're going to see this turn to, okay, this is what I want to play. Now, if you get Kofi back, you're still going to adjust a little bit, right? Because Kofi Coburn's an automatic 20 wins and an automatic uh, Big Ten title competition, right? Like you're automatically in there. But I, I do think this is where you see Brad Underwood he can be picky. He can go after some guys that that he couldn't go after before because they've won so many games, because they've been so successful. During Big Ten play, I know the NCAA tournament success has not come. I don't know how long we're going to have to do that qualifier, um, <laughs> but this is a program that, that can get talent and, and attract talent now. So I do think you'll see that turn to like, now we can get talent, but also talent he wants to kind of fit how he wants to play moving forward.
1: Yeah, and not only how he wants to play, but like, I, I know Brad always says, oh, I didn't watch the game. You know, he doesn't watch Big Ten games. Dude, Brad knows what's going on in college basketball in terms of how, how to win. And so it's not only how he wants to play, it's like an equation. And, and the equation is exactly what Brad's shooting for in terms of length and and all those things we discussed. So, yeah, I think it's just the evolution of a program too, Jeremy. It's, it's an evolution of taking from where it was – at first over the incremental builds and they really shot up i think that's why we talked about missing that 2020 tournament was was kind of felt like maybe a, a i don't even know if missing is the right word but a step that was probably necessary to get up to where they were and, and it's just continuing to evolve to what works and and, and you know sometimes you got to evolve to what works are can stay status quo to what works in the big 10 and the big 10 we've seen is a lot of big guys, and, and they can do that, but I think you've got to push the envelope a little bit and continue to to move down that road. And look, there's options. There's options. In Illinois, Brad said it before. I know you've written about it. It's kind of sexy again. It's kind of sexy again for recruits to get out there, and, and this isn't some, when they are BTN+, Plus. like, I don't know, how, how do I find these guys? It's, you know, like the 6 o'clock Big Ten Network game on a Tuesday that nobody even knows really exists that's not Illinois anymore. It's, it's national television. It's a brand, it's a top 25 and that's, that's attractive to people. Now the component we've talked about the next level and you've got the IO cell and you're continuing to sell those things and develop the sales pitch in those things. But all the other stuff is setting into motion and into play right now.
0: If I wanted to be this great producer spends way too much time on this podcast you just gave me the entry for Justin Timberlake sexy back. Did I? Yeah, yeah. Just, just layer that underneath it. Go, and, and, (laughs) and, 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 and. No, I'm not going to do that. Okay, Joey, let's talk some football, shall we? Um, Oh, your dad (laughs) (laughs) is Joey. All right, football. Illinois football has two big in-state commits. We talked about Caden Fagan last week with that great announcement ceremony uh, that was really cool to be a part of at Arthur um, High School down there, all the way down in central Illinois. And, you know, now you follow that up, and and this is what we talked about. Illinois has a plan, man. They wanted Fagan to be the first one, big-time headliner, and now you gain some momentum they timed this up. I think they had all this kind of planned uh, in the works for a while, but now you had Antoine Hayden, a three-star linebacker out of East St. Louis. No other Power 5 offers, but if you turn on the film, you see he's a Power 5 linebacker. There's really good talent there. He transferred from uh, St. Louis to Chesney, I believe is how you say it, um, but transferred in from there, has a really good season, helps East St. Louis get to the 7A uh, state finals where they're they're upset, surprisingly, uh, 37-36, but uh, great season for him 117 tackles five sacks really dynamic player in that he can play on the edge a little bit but also really athletic big kid Uh, I think he's up to about 220 225 now but uh, getting a top 15 kid in state according to the composite rankings two of them in in the same week Joey that's a pretty dang good start for Illinois in the class of 2023.
1: We reverse back to way down in Central Illinois. As somebody who lives near Arthur, way down in Central Illinois feels wrong. But, yeah, to your point. Look, 117 tackles in Class 7A against the schedule that East St. Louis plays, dude, that's no joke. Like, that's – those numbers, I mean, that's not – and I covered a lot of 1A football. That's not some superstar on a 1A team crushing people who are never going to play football again after high school. Like, this – that's real talent there, and that's real production that he put together. And, yeah, the, Bielma had a plan. We've known this for a while, not in the sense that it was explicitly told, but follow the tea leads. Like, this plan, and listen to what Brett has said in press conferences, now it's starting to come together here. And and Caden Fagan told us he told the staff, you know, two weeks ago, or I guess three weeks now, I'm sure Antoine Hayden probably informed the staff sometime before uh, today's eleven fifteen announcement, so it's all strategic. Brett understands the the I say marketability, even though that's that's not the right word. He understands the PR part of it. I suppose it would maybe yeah. be the right word, and the buzz building, and and how to cultivate that interest in the recruiting classes that comes together. But yeah, I, I think it's a the top, like you said, top fifteen kid. That's not always been a given at Illinois that you're going to get a top fifteen kid, and and you are starting to see some some returns and repairing I think repair is the right word here those relationships with East St. Louis and, and that is it's a hard school to recruit because everybody does it but it's a, a very very necessary school to recruit and to go out and get a power five kid from there and to, to reestablish those connections and to reinforce those connections that's a big deal and you're getting a pretty good football player
0: yeah so every time usually there's a commitment uh, or some big news we like to do what it means breaking down analyzing and just if you're not a vip member here's a preview of what I, I wrote for today and the first thing i have to lead with joey is just in-state recruiting i know we are banging people over the head with this but it is so shocking how much has changed since brett bielema has been the head coach at illinois and, and here's some stats to back it up antoine hayden is the 14th in state recruiting win. So he's got 12 signees, two commits this past week. He's got 14 in state kids he's gotten in 15 months. Lovey Smith during 5 years signed 21 in state prospects. That 5 years, so 60 months, right? Brett Beam was almost averaging 1 per month. Lovey Smith was 1 per 3 month. Right? Like that's that's an amazing hit rate. And Lovey Smith, it was nine in his first class. So twelve over the last four years, three over the last two years, including zero in twenty twenty, right? Smith signed twelve top thirty in state prospects during his five year tenure. I know that's kind of an arbitrary stop point, but he had to stop somewhere, right? Bielema has nine top thirty guys and a bunch of guys who are right outside the top thirty. So if I went top thirty five, I could have made that look even better for Brett Bielema. Uh, and he's not done in this class. Like Pat Farrell and Rod Trey Pierce just uh, just visited this past weekend. I feel great for where Illinois stands with them. Malik Elzey, Jair Hill, two top 500 recruits. Brandon Henderson out of East St. Louis. It's amazing when you work at it, you prioritize it, um, what you can do in-state, Joey. And and for Illinois now to start getting the higher-ranked kids, Like I don't know if I can put Hayden in the same realm of Fagan, right? Fagan had power five offers from a bunch of Midwest powers, including Notre Dame and Iowa. Um, so he's not quite there, but he's a legit power five, no matter who you are, rank them top 25 in the state. And then we got him pretty quickly, pretty easily, and they got in on him before anyone else, they close it before anyone else can get in. This one feels like Jordan Anderson. This one feels like Henry Boyer. This one feels like Hank Beatty, all of those they got last year. Only they started off with a four-star to get the ball rolling. Um, this makes a ton of sense. We can dive more into the East St. Louis thing, but just the in-state thing. And you saw it again this weekend with the coaches clinic in Champaign. Every coach is there. They could barely get Lovey Smith to go to some of those things. Right, the last year didn't even show up. I know he's going to get fired that week, but he didn't even show up for that. Like you're the face of Illinois football. You have to be involved. He gets his whole staff involved in pat ryan deserves a ton of credit for that former high school coach hall of famer uh in the state hiring him was unbelievable and for this one too this recruitment specifically terry hawthorne like is was terry ready for a certain job Uh, you know he's kind of the recruiting assistant here high school relations i don't know but like he grows into it he's a former illini great he's a former east st louis great he makes sense for that role and then you mold him and that pays off for you. I think that really paid off for you here. And I think it helped raise an olive branch, right? Uh, Out to East St. Louis as well. So kudos to Brett Buhlman for hiring Pat Ryan, for hiring Terry Hawthorne, for keeping Pat Embleton, Corey Patterson. He kind of, he kind of gets this stuff, Joey.
1: Hey, you brought back Nate McNeil too.
0: Nate McNeil too. Yeah.
1: That's a big one. Um, I want to circle on Pat Ryan really quickly because I think sometimes it gets glossed over and I understand why, like you don't see Pat in front of a lot of cameras, but the, the comfort, I think, is probably the right word that Pat Ryan provides to a lot of high school coaches who trust him. He knows everybody. Like Him and Ken Leonard might have two of the most expansive high school football coaching contacts in their phone because uh, they've been doing it for so long. So I, I think the comfort that he can provide these coaches to know that, you know, what, if Pat's signing off on this, it's probably worth us at least listening. And then you let Bielma, you let the, you know, the recruiting staffers, the assistants, take it from there. And I think that matters. And I think that a lot of that can be said about Terry in the Metro East, uh, you know, to further reinforce, like, hey, if Terry's buying into this and Corey's buying into this, there's something to at least listen to. And what – I think Brett Bielma does a really good job when he's in the conversations. But in some instances, you needed somebody to help start those conversations again. And then, you know, you've seen it go from there. So I I don't even remember where we were at or where the heck I was, I was going. <laughs> well, I, I want to go here
0: too because – They touch every part of the state on this staff, too. I know like all the 10 assistants have an area, right? That that was really smart of them to do. But you have Terry Hawthorne from the Metro East. You have Pat Ryan from Central Illinois, who knows all those, you know, the Leonards and everybody who coaches down there really well, but everybody throughout the state. Then you have Nate McNeil from Chicago, who did a really good job uh, as a recruiting staff recruiting Chicago. I just don't know if the entire staff did, did all that well, but... Terrence Jamison is from Chicagoland. George McDonald's from Indiana, but he's he knows Chicago a little bit from his days at Illinois. Kevin Kane is recruited there well. Barton Miller went to high school in the Northwest suburbs. Like You're touching a lot of these parts of the state, so you have some connections, and then you just simply put in the work. You simply put in the work. But, talking about speaking of putting in the work, like East St. Louis and Illinois, I think with a Smith, it was a little bit of a roller coaster at times, because Lovey coached Stanley Green, did a pretty good job with him, took James Knight when no other Power 5 schools were going to. But the Jeff Thomas thing was up and down, Um, whether it was at high school. Illinois thought they had a real good chance of getting him, but I think East St. Louis wanted Illinois to take some more players, from what I understand. Now, you hear two sides of the story. Illinois wasn't very good, right? So East St. Louis not going to send all their kids there. The kids aren't going to want to go to Illinois. That's the other thing. The kids can make the choice too, but it was kind of a rockier relationship, even though I think Sunkett and Lovey Smith had a lot of respect for each other. You know, Brett and and Sunkett, Sunkett didn't think a lot of brett he texted me after i texted him after brett was hired and he had a bad experience with with brett because craig appleton was kicked off the team at, at wisconsin just a couple of months after getting there craig has has had a lot of off-field issues in his life you can google it um but it feels like there's been some repairing of that right and that they prioritize antoine hayden they land him they're recruiting Miles McVeigh really hard. It's gonna be hard to land him because he's got SEC offers, offers from every powerhouse. But they're also really prioritizing Brandon Henderson, a three star offensive tackle with a huge upside. So it just feels like Brett's put in the work. The staff is putting the work. Terry Hawthorne's there. Corey Patterson knows Sunk it really well. It feels like they're putting in the work that there's some building, rebuilding of trust between the two sides.
1: You've got to do that. Let's also be honest, Jeremy. Every school really every high school that especially ones that churn out as much talent as East St. Louis or anything close to that, there's always rocky parts in every, I mean, literally in every relationship ever, there's a rocky part somewhere. It just so happens that East St. Louis has a lot of talent. And, and when it's rocky, everyone seems to notice because it's why in the heck are they, you know, is Illinois not getting that talent? It's, it's just part of this game. And, and I'm sure if I had to guess in the next few years, there's going to be parts where maybe the relationship gets rocky. Does everybody know? Probably not, but that's just life. Like relationships happen like that. Uh but
0: the it, one the one thing I've liked about what sorry to interrupt you, Joey, but no, like no. one thing I liked is Brett said, Hey, we're gonna be up front. If we don't like a kid, we're gonna tell you. You can disagree with us, but we're we're gonna say it up front. Like we're we're gonna be honest with you about our evaluations. We're not gonna take every kid, but the one thing you can't do is with East St. Louis, which has some of the best talent but also attracts a lot of talent because kids transfer in there to play football. Like, you can't ignore them. Like, you, you they, they produce two to three power five prospects almost every year. They have a lot of Division one prospects. Like, coming into the year, people didn't have Antoine Hayden as the this, this C. St. Louis kid you got to check out. He transfers in there, has a great year. Illinois loves him. Andy Boo loved him. Corey Patterson recruits him really hard, uh, and it works out. But you can't ignore that school. It's too big of a powerhouse.
1: I mean, Jeremy, we've talked about this and how we do our jobs. You show up, you be honest. And you, basically, you don't go away. I mean, that, that's the part of this. And Illinois showing up, they're being honest, they're, they're showing a commitment there. And, and to be clear, I think neither of us think of Antoine Hayden as just a take for the sake of building relationships. Yeah. We, we see him as. A take because he's a good football player and he fits a lot of what Illinois believes in defensively and what they're looking for. Where is he going to play? Is it going to be the edge? Is he going to be inside? Don't know. You don't have to figure that out for a while. I think it'll but, be
0: inside, but he can step up and be an edge if you need. Him.
1: Yeah. So all of that matters, Jeremy, and to rebuild that. And, you know, now I wonder as, as we talk about this and I, you start to piece it all together. Was it important for Brett to get the headliner and then get the East St. Louis guy second involved? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching. I, I think a lot of what Brett does is intentional, so I, I don't know that I would say, like, there's no chance that was the case. But I think it mattered to get Antoine Hayden early. And, and again, I don't think any of us were shocked. He he's very pro-Illinois on social media before today, and I have to imagine that will obviously continue. But, man, that's, that's a good way to start this thing. And, and I know there was a lot of hand-wringing and what are they doing? Where are the commits? As, as every other Big Ten school – piles them up but i think you're starting to see the plan start to unroll a little bit here and and we can get into it if you'd like but and we've talked about it this plan is in the very early stages okay. i think the the crescendo of this thing happens in the first week of june when you pile a bunch of committed kids in there with uncommitted kids
0: yeah if you want the rankings update which means nothing on march 29th 2022 illinois is 36th in the country 10th in the big Ten. Okay, So they've they've gotten up in those rankings if you're looking at those really, really early here. But you're right, Joey, there's a plan to all of this. And as we've covered this for a while, there are waves. There are waves of commitments. One of them is right now. And Illinois did this really well last year where you got eight commitments in the spring locked those kids up most of them before they ever visited campus right like this was during the pandemic when you couldn't have kids on campus they could come here themselves but you couldn't have conversations with them so they got joey ocle donovan leary hunter whitenack henry boyer jordan anderson malachi hood hank Beatty, owen anderson clayton leonard and then all those guys visited for the first weekend of official visits when all these other top targets came and visited and you eventually got out of that Aiden Lawfree, jared Beatty, ian pew sean miller as well uh ashton, everyone but one yeah ashton holland's committed matt fry's committed they visited later in the month as well yeah. so that's again i believe the plan here is they've already locked in some of their top targets especially in state brandon henderson pat farrell um you know all these basically top guys. I think they'd like to get Malik Elzey and Jair Hill on that first weekend of June as well. But if they can add a couple more of these guys, Roderick Pierce, Pat Farrell, get those guys on board here. Maybe really, maybe Brandon Henderson out of East St. Louis can be one of those that becomes a lot easier to have those guys come visit, sell the program to their peers. And and coaches always say your best recruiters are your, are your players and your recruits. I thought that was the case last year. It was a great plan. Not a surprise, Joey. They're, they're not messing with success. They're going to try and do that again. Though I think they're shooting a little higher, right? You, you can tell they're not just trying to get commitments. They're not trying to just fill a class. They're being a little bit more intentional and, and shooting a little bit higher for the t- quality of prospect in this class, too.
1: I think they got every uncommitted kid on that first official visit weekend last week or last year rather except for dallin hayden who was the cross your fingers and hope you can make a splash kid who ended up going to ohio state so the hit rate i think i looked that up i think that's right um so so the hit rate on that that's pretty
0: high and, and yeah, two other guys about, two other guys cody jones who that's right yeah. Things were interesting on signing day. <laughs> Some phone calls yeah. on that one. And Patrick Kutis. But otherwise, right. yeah. otherwise you yes. got all of them.
1: A pretty good hit rate there. And, and I know we talked about this on Caden, so I apologize for for repeating it. But you want to bind them together with one another. You want to bind their families. Go look at how close the Oakland is, the White Neck's, the Leary's. So you want to try to bind the families together as well. And, and you want to make this layered. And you want to sell, put your best foot forward by putting everything together like that. We've heard about the player councils they do. I, you know, there's options there to have guys do. So it's all it's all an approach. And I know when we cover this and the commitments are really, really exciting and, and everybody wants to, to get really pumped about it. I get it as part of this. It's what makes our job fun. But the patience to, and I think Brett's earned some patience a little bit in turn, and we're talking patience. It's like three months. So it's not like you're waiting a year and a half. But I think he's earned that patience. And, hey, this is what we want to do. There's a blueprint out there right now for what – and it, it'll evolve. Things evolve. It'll change over whether it be this class or the next or down the line. You have to evolve to continue to do this. But the plan is in place. And, and from what we've seen, it's pretty good, man. It yeah. is a pretty good plan. It's not always going to work. No, nope. Every coach, I, I have to imagine, unless – probably even Nick, you miss more than you hit in recruiting. Oh, yeah. You kind of have to to make the numbers work. So, yeah, they're going to miss on guys. And we've documented the, the Cody Jones of the world, the Kudis, the, the Austin Brown. Uh, it's, I mean, that happens, but the, it's always been. We talked about this a year ago. The process is very sound in what they're doing. And now with a year under your belt and a year of, hey, look what we did with this guy, Whisper Kirby Joseph. You know, look what we did here. Look what we did here. And, hey, we we're five wins and we didn't even have our guys in there yet. The the, the on field stuff starts to kind of build and pile onto all of this, and then you can really you know have that supplement the relationships, the plan, the building you've done.
0: Yeah, I think the way they had it set up last year, I'm looking through these official visits was first weekend, get those top guys, like the in-state guys that you feel are close. You know, try to push them to close. Now Aiden Lawfrey went on some more visits, Sean Miller went on some more visits, right? So it takes some time maybe to get those guys on board. But say you get Malik on for that first week and he's around all these other guys, I think that's a good start to it. If he's feeling Illinois already, goes on some visits, and then you get that late June, early July decision, you hope goes the same way that Sean Miller and, and Aiden Lawfrey did last year, then you kind of take your shots. It felt like middle of the month, and then towards the end of the month, you might have, hey, we're not going to get this guy, so let's move on to our next target, get him here for an official visit. Maybe you saw him at a camp like Ashton Hollins, uh, and then you get him on board. So that, that was kind of how it followed last year. And then in the fall, they were very selective, right, of, of who they got for official visits. They seemed to really want to get these guys in the summer where they can focus on just recruiting, not have a game, because when guys come here for official visits in November and, and October, one, it's kind of cold. Two, the coaches are busy. They're not with these kids all. So it's a lot of the recruiting staff, uh, a lot of the recruiting you know, you know, staff that's there, players are involved as well. But uh, the summer is really the time I think they want to get uh, these official visits worked up. Uh, but spring ball is happening, Joey. You've been there a little really? bit more than I have. <laughs> but we're not seeing anything, right? But we are hearing things from the staff. Anything really sticking out to you about what you're hearing around uh, spring ball so far?
1: Those two position groups, I think, that you and I, outside, like quarterback, always interested. Let, let's just put that on the table now. We're always interested in, until we don't have to be anymore, meaning a multi-year starter. And even then you're still interested. But I think we're interested in defensive backs in terms of how do you replace Kirby Joseph, how do you replace Tony Adams, and offensive line. How, how does all of that shake out and i think we're starting to see a picture emerge i don't really have the clearest picture on the offensive line yet we can't see anything uh um, palcho and pearl have been you know kind of limited and i think that's going to skew what we see in those 15 minutes because those two are starters like that's literally not even a conversation to have so how does it shape around that where are they starters in terms of palcho i think we we, we know julian pearl's a tackle is he left or is he right? There's so many dominoes, I think, on the offensive line that have got to fall one way or another before we get a, a clearer look. But defensive back, I just in talking and and hearing, it's Prince Green and uh, Keontae Curry are two guys that are really interesting. They're standing out a little bit. Keontae Curry sounds like he I mean gets his hands on a lot of footballs and practices. So then it comes down to where do they play and what – Other impact does that have? Where do they move? And really, we're talking about how does the we think, I I think it's fair to say, how does the trio of Prince Green, Quan Martin, and Keontae Curry sort itself out between free safety and nickel? Brett Bielema said today that Keontae Curry is practicing they moved him to safety. Nickels are in the same room. I
0: yeah.
1: It's my understanding he's at nickel. Quan Martin said he's behind me at nickel. No, that can change, obviously, but I, I think that for the versatility standpoint. That probably makes the most sense so how does that that's really one of the more interesting things to me jeremy is how does that defensive secondary shake out and and how it's going to shake out is I, we think there's going to be some redshirt freshmen involved at, at some positions here and definitely in the two deep behind Devin witherspoon and taz i think taz nicholson at corners so you're going to see the tyler strains the dd Snyders, the daniel edwards of the world start to emerge. Joriel Washington was the other defensive back in that group. Looks like he has moved up. He was with the outside linebackers today. Physically looks like he's been preparing for such a thing. So I'm fascinated by how all that shakes out in the defensive secondary.
0: Yeah, I would say here's a couple names that I feel like fans probably and maybe we could overlook coming into the year, but you should get to know. At outside linebacker, I know everyone's excited about Alec Bryant, right? Transfer, former four-star prospect. It looks good, right? looks the part. But one of the other guys you need to know, because he might be your starter, is is Ezekiel Holmes, right? This is his, I believe, fifth year at at Illinois. He's a 2018 prospect, so I'm doing the math. Yeah, fifth year at Illinois. He's 6'5", 240, played some meaningful snaps last year, and right now sounds like he's with the ones. You keep hearing the coaches talk about him. So that's what always triggers in my mind when I'm talking with these coaches. Who do they keep bringing up? Keontae Curry certainly is one of those. Prince Green is certainly one of those. But Ezekiel Holmes uh, is one of those guys as well. I, I'm really interested in the nose guard battle, but we know Virtus Brown, Calvin Avery, just about who puts it together. and, and they're gonna, Yeah, T. Edwards. They're, yeah, they're going to need all those guys because I, I don't know if most of those guys are going to last more than 30 snaps. Um, but the other guy I mentioned is Alex Pilstrom. Experiment, yep. Experimenting him at center I think is really interesting. You know, they, they could have pushed for a center in, in the transfer portal this spring. They haven't done that yet. It sounds like they're going to go through spring ball, find out what do they really need? It, do we need the center more or do we need a cornerback more? Do do we need a tight end more? Do we need a wide receiver? So I think they're going to kind of go through all of this, see what they need, and then add what is, I think, two spots left in this class. But, you know, Aiden Loffrey is a guy that Brett Bielema mentioned to you guys today, uh, listening to him. I just think he could fill that Jakari Norwood role. Like Jordan Anderson's a guy I think is ready to play, but they got Josh McRae, who's pretty dang good, in that kind of big back who can be versatile and go out and catch passes. So Aiden Lawfrey I think, is, is one of those freshmen. And, and you've mentioned Sean Miller, too. It's kind of a guy we've always pegged is that guy could play right away, one, because of need, two, because he's really good, and he three, he played at IMG Academy, which is all prepping him for college football. So those are just some of the names I think we should be paying attention a little bit more to because – even though Alex Pilstrom and Ezekiel Holmes aren't the, the sexy names that get people's attention. I would even throw an Isaac Darkangelo in there because today. good, because I don't know who the backup linebacker is. I know people wanted to be Shimon Cooper, but Isaac Darkangelo played 200 snaps or something like that last year. I don't know if people know, like it was over a hundred and he's On a full, defense. Yes. Go, go look it up on PFF. See what we it, watched every game. And they snuck that in there on me, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, they played the 4-3 every once in a while. I, yeah. No, I'm probably going to – it might have been like 50 or something, but I'm pretty sure he played way more snaps than anyone would know. But he's the coolest. If
1: that's it, I, I will give you my two weeks now because that <laughs> just slid by me, and you are going to want to upgrade this position here.
0: Uh, okay. Isaac Dark Angelo uh, played – oh, no, he didn't. I'm way Bad. off there. I was way off. I'm thinking of somebody else. Oh, I'm thinking of Alec McCarron. He played 114 snaps. Dark Angelo Dark Angel only played 15. <laughs> but somebody's gotta take that that McCarron role, right? Right. Like they don't have a backup linebacker with Kalon Tolson leaving. So apologies. I'm I'm glad I corrected that on air. But I knew one of those walk-ons played a lot. But Dark Angel could fill that role. If they go 4 3 at times, maybe he's one of the linebackers on there. And they've mentioned him. Malachi
1: Hood would be interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Um, Kanena Odaluga, they've mentioned him a couple times. So, you know, some of the names that you might not be thinking a lot about. And I got to throw this one in there, too, because Bieloma mentioned him. And I've kind of been hinting at this. Kel Griffin's been waiting his turn as kicker, and he's going to have a chance. They brought in Will McManus, the preferred walk-on, for a reason. And Brett mentioned they're having a – seems like a pretty intense competition right now. So you might want to know the name Will McManus as a kicker.
1: Yeah, and I, I do want to jump back in. because I kind of glossed over the offensive line, which is truly, Jeremy, endlessly fascinating, isn't it, in terms of how this all goes? Well, and, for me, it, it
0: always is fascinating, Joey, the
1: offensive yeah, line. Yeah, but I think with the versatility, they're intentionally recruiting to positional versatility, guard tackle, uh, center guard. So, Alex Pilstrom, you're right. That's the name at center. And and I think you and I coming into this thought, like this could be Josh Krupp's time. Um, But I think I'm kind of learning just in the – learning maybe he's not there yet in in the sense of you're trying to get Alex Pilstrom snaps. We've heard Josh Plora's name. I think Jordan Slaughter is going to be a guard. I I think that's that's where this is all going to end. But they're getting him snaps at center, that cross-training type of deal. But the moving Pilstrom – Pilstrom – He's going to get the hat for all five positions, I think, by the end of this thing. That, that's really, really interesting. And optically, it changes the offensive line. That would be a big size yeah. group. If, if he ends up coming out to do this, I don't know that I'm sold that they're not going to explore the portal uh, for any post-spring ball entrance uh, after this all wraps up here. But clearly, you're seeing a move to a bigger line, or, or maybe that's just how it works out now, but you're absolutely seeing a move to a more versatile line. And when you have turnover, like the Bedarian Lowe, Jack Bedovinak, Doug Kramer, it's harder in spring ball when you only see 15 minutes to figure out what the heck it all looks like. Uh, Isaiah Adams, Zy Chrysler are two guys who they brought in junior college who you would think by August they are going to be ready to rock. Isaiah Adams, I think it's probably good now. I know you and I are of the belief that Chrysler probably has a little more body development to go through to get to that point. But this is, I mean, I've only been covering Illinois for five years now. This is as open as the offensive line has been since I've covered this, and it's as – there's as many pieces to the puzzle in terms of versatility as I've seen Like last year, Darian Lowe was a left tackle. Like you knew that. You knew that the the Jarisadi-Badovinak duo was probably a guard with some center flexibility if it came down to that. Now, I mean it's all hell hell's broken loose, Jeremy. I don't know what it all looks like,
0: yeah, I find it fascinating. Uh, I, I would I would say I'm not concerned about Josh Crotz, like not being the go-to guy, as a redshirt freshman. like he's he's a little That's undersized, cool. right? he's he's a little undersized. Usually offensive yeah. linemen take a couple years. Um, I would say Zach Barleff's another guy to know. Right, I mean, The first practice we saw, he was getting first-team reps. Does that mean anything? No, but he played last year, and he played pretty well in the few snaps he played in that barge formation that worked for a game. Um, I, I just think he's an intriguing guy at guard, um, so he could be another guy that might start week one, you know, and some fans are like, who's that? And it's like, well, he's he played last year. He seems like he's in the mix, so competition's good. They could add to it uh, this offseason, but, yeah, I think this is the time to play around. Right? This is what spring ball is for, is experimentation. What works best on your offensive line? What combination works best in your defensive backfield? Which combination works best as your outside linebackers or your nose guard, right? Like, this is all the time for experimentation, which I find it so fascinating. I'd find it more fascinating if we got to see more of it.
1: Yeah, dude. I would also say, now I say that, I stood out there for 15 minutes in the freezing cold and I couldn't wait to get to my car, but if I was actually seeing... Something that resembled the game of football, um, at least like 11 on 11, that would have been a eight on eight, eight man. I I'll take play. one on
0: one. Give me some one on ones, O line, D line. Oh, that's that's my stuff and training. Yeah, I, camp. I've seen
1: enough tackling, <laughs> fundamental tackling practice to last a lifetime. And, and you know, they're going to hear this and think we're not great. What, which, what's,
0: your, what's your favorite drill to watch when they open practice? For me, it's the, the quarterbacks running and they're doing the strip drill. <laughs> it's like, I can I can do a lot with this.
1: Boy, where, where do you start with everything that we're able to pull away from that? I don't, Jesus.
0: They're good. They're good with talking with us. They they, they give us information about the team yeah, like we're talking it, about now.
1: Look, man, we need. You know, we want to see this. People want to know about it. Do we wish we saw more? Of course. Do we understand? I guess. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it is what it is. One, he's
0: got to hide his offense.
1: I'm glad we can talk because talk. You can yes. learn a lot by talking. Yeah. You can learn a hell of a lot more by watching, but you can learn a lot by talking. Uh, it's yeah. There's a lot of moving around, and I and I think with so many young guys like an Owen Anderson who who could slide in and, and maybe compete in the two deep in, in the sense of replacing Daniel Barker. Uh, but but I think this year Jeremy more than a lot because the super seniors have exhausted their eligibility. There's a lot of room to grow for new faces for, for to, to start to kind of learn that next crop of guys who are going to be on the field and, and, and be a part of the, the Bealma era, really.
0: Well, and and but to think about how thing. think about how long Jordan Slaughter's been waiting to start. He's a fifth awesome. year player, right? Like, but he had all these guys in front of him. Virtus Brown. Hurt. Yeah, and then he got hurt, but Virtus Brown. They've been waiting a long time to, to kind of have this opportunity. Ezekiel Holmes, Seth Coleman. Like, Seth Coleman was good enough to start the last two years, and he did start some games. But it's like Isaiah K and Owen Carney is hanging around here for forever. Like, these guys, is a huge opportunity for them. And I, I look at – you know, this is usually – like, you're going to have some red for, shed, redshirt freshmen and sophomores on your team playing. This hasn't been the case very much the last couple of years because of the COVID years.
1: Yeah, and this is – this is a really, I think there's a lot of open, like with Barlev, for example. Do I think he's going to start week one? No. Do I think if somebody got hurt week one, he would be one of the next two or three guys to go in there? Probably two guys to go in there? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. It's not necessarily who starts game. Like that, too deep is really important, as we've seen at Illinois for a while. You got to dig into that thing a little bit. Like, I, that is where so much of the intrigue is to me it's like do i i think you and i have a rough guess of the six seven guys fighting for five spots on the line but it, it gets really interesting when you start looking at you know eight through nine who could be there really quickly up into that and it, it just feels like there's a really open door here which is why i, I want to see a lot more selfishly because i want to yeah. to know where if i if i'm closer if i'm not but there, there are some interesting you just can see new faces man that, that's really Long, I'm long-winded way of what I'm trying to say here.
0: Uh, we we have not a lot to write about here, Joe. Like, we got... We just talked for an hour about everything that's going on in Illinois. Could have gone longer, too, but I, I feel like we should wrap up because uh, there's just so much to talk about right now from spring football, the football recruiting, to ba- I mean, the basketball stuff. You guys are just going nuts with that. I feel like so, I, I do think some people love the offseason more than the actual season. And I get oh. it. It's the NFL draft season. It's all about hope, right? If if you're a baseball fan, the offseason, who are we going to sign, right? All that stuff. But uh, Illinois basketball has been pretty good. <laughs> and I feel like at this point the seasons are a little bit more fun than the offseason. But, man, there's so much drama, so much movement here. I get it.
1: This is still not even as crazy as last offseason. season.
0: I mean, last offseason. That was an all timer. All
1: timer. Off the rails drunk last offseason. They but lost all sister- three
0: assistants.
1: Kofi was in the portal for a minute. Adam Miller was gone. Last offseason was batshit, dude. It was <laughs> nuts. And this offseason is still like shaping up to be really interesting. And it, there, there's a lot of like, this could be kind of a wild ride. I don't know how wild it'll get. And it's still like, oh, listen, do you remember the last one? That was, it was like a 150 million pages on assistant coaches. I still to this day cannot name more than four Big Ten assistant coaches. But my God, we cared about. And I get it, and it's fun. It's what makes our job great. Holy crap, it was so weird to look back all year so, later.
0: Like sometimes I look back at some of the transfers, like I saw Kevin O'Banner play. I'm like, remember that week we just talked about Kevin O'Banner <laughs> for a week? And then Dawson Garcia, of course, like all these guys like Oh yeah. Illinois kind of looked into that guy. It's like, Oh, there's that other transfer. We were. I
1: forgot about that kid until this exact minute in my life. It's it's uh.
0: we forgot about that call with Alan Huss, right? <laughs> on the Illinois <laughs> staff
1: call. <laughs> it, I, that happened. I do not envy our friend, Derek Piper, because there was a lot going on. It's fun, but man, there's a lot of moving parts and, Derek crushes it. This is yeah. year two on Derek's team. That's yeah. a fun team to be on.
0: Yeah, check out all, all the stuff, VIP, all the updates there on our VIP board. $1 for your first month of membership. Now is a pretty good time to do that. We'll have more on football recruiting and, of course, Joey, covering the heck out of spring practice. I'll be down for a couple practices as well this weekend. That'll do it for us on this another second in a row, hour-long Alana Inquirer podcast. We'll have you covered throughout the offseason, so give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Everybody, have a great day, take care of each other, and we'll chat to you next time on the Alana Inquirer podcast.